I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 319! This is The Rich Eisen Show. The second pick. The New York Jets select. It'll be Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson, then all of a sudden Matt Jones, and then all of a sudden Justin Fields, and it'll be, no, no, it's Zach Wilson. And then they'll take all the way down to zero seconds, and everybody's going to be like, what the hell are they waiting for? The Rich Eisen Show. Today's guests, five-time NBA All-Star Chris Webber, Fox Sports Rules Analyst Mike Pereira. Plus, two-time Super Bowl champion, Chris Long. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Hour number two of the Rich Eisen Show is on the air. We've got uh, a lot going on, to say the least. Not just of what's just happened with the Elite Eight concluding last night. The Final Four is set. Uh, Also, in the NFL world, some big-time Pro Day performances going down with uh, some big-time pass catchers, Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts, the top wide receiver and tight end on the board in the upcoming draft that, as we know, last Friday was reconfigured with a bunch of trades. Um, The NBA season is uh, now uh, nearing its last full month of the regular season. Mike Pereira, the head of NFL refs, when I was back uh, on uh, when he when he was the head of NFL refs when I was hosting NFL Total Access all those years on NFL Network, he's now the NFL on Fox Rules analyst. He'll talk about what uh, new rules changes could be voted on by the NFL owners today. Chris Long, two-time Super Bowl champion, will be joining us in the third hour of this show um, to talk about the 17-game schedule, how players might be feeling about that, and other ancillary NFL pieces of news on this show. Uh, I've got uh, a sneaky good 17th games that just got created by the creation of a 17th game that uh, not many people are talking about. New records to shoot for. I've got 17 game span records for some all-time uh, um, benchmarks that uh, that players are going to be trying to achieve uh, with a 17th game. That's how we're all rolling. 844-204-RICH is the number to dial. There's also some Deshaun Watson news to tell you about this hour. But right now, uh, I'll turn to one of my favorite people on the planet. Uh, when I, I have this show, the fact that I have uh, him on as a regular guest and able to call him a friend when he was such a delight for me uh, to and gave me so much enjoyment, not only in his professional career, but as a member of the Fab Five at the University of Michigan, uh, Chris Weber here on the Rich Eisen Show. How are you, Chris? Hey, good. How are you doing, Rich? I got to tell you, I'll, I'll be honest, <clears throat> uh, I thought you and I would be having a much uh, happier uh, reason to celebrate <laughs> right now <laughs> when I said, hey, would you like to come on the show? Um, I'll be very honest with you. I had a different plan for this chat, but uh, such is life, huh? Yeah, I was ready to talk a bunch of stuff, uh, <laughs> you know, Uh yeah, that, that was a tough one. I thought, you know, honestly, when we were up a few points, it, it's so much better to be a fan uh, to me than to than to than rooting for Jawan and to kind of go through it. Because the whole time, you know, I'm just nonchalant. I'm like, oh, yeah, we're up 13. We're about to win or nine. You know, I'm just focused and everything. And then, yeah, man, the end of the night, I got Reggie Miller, Baron Davis, Matt Barnes, Tracy Oh, Martin, that's right. Oh. All those 
jerks hitting me, and uh, <laughs> I, owe, I owe some charities some money, man. I owe some charities some money. Is so that right? People through it. <laughs> is what? So I'm I'm I'm, I'm um, loath to ask, but uh, what does a Reggie Miller text look like? Um, oh, let me read it to you. Okay, please. Hold on one second, Chris Weber. So okay, no problem. It's okay. First of all, it starts off with. Uh, I said, hey, Rez, do you want a friendly wager, charity, or anything? You know, I know. I said, Reggie, do you have a charity or anything you want to know? He right. goes, yeah, I have some good charities that take Michigander's money. Okay. This is easy. This is going to be easy. UCLA the greatest. I send him a couple of memes <laughs> that aren't really good and some uh, hands and finger gestures. And, uh, yes. Then I, I turned off my phone after we lost, right? And then all I got last night, I wake up, and it's about 30 messages from him. And just let me say this. If you think he talked junk against the New York Knicks and, and Spike Lee, that's nothing. <laughs> that, that, that's nothing as compared to what's on my phone. So um, I'll take my medicine like a man. Though. You know what? Um, I, I hear you. Um, I hear you. Uh, and So what what – what did UCLA do, based on what you're seeing um, and what you know that I'm sure Jawan was seeing? What What did they do to force Michigan out of its usual game last night? You know you what? I, I haven't talked to Jawan yet. I texted him. I was on with Ray uh, Jackson last night during the whole game. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, he was just saying, Ray's uh, comments were that he just thought uh, we missed uh, a lot of shots that we would normally miss. And there's some free throws and that you know, kind of uh, our decision-making at times wasn't the same that it had been all year. You know, very honestly, um, I thought I think we have a great team, and we have and we should have won last night, and I had us to win the championship. So there's no excuses, all that. Juwan's a big boy. Um, but at, at the same time, you know, I do think the team played better than they were all year long. Like the, the collective sum of their parts, uh, made them great. And it's hard, like, when you achieve so much and you're one point from going to the Final Four to, you know, look back and say, you know, honestly, we shouldn't even have been this far. You, you, you know, and it, and what I mean by that is every day in the Big Ten, the toughest conference, even though they didn't show it in the tournament, but just staying focused all year, playing above, to me, doing the little things, the rebounding, the staying together, not turning the ball over. And so, to, to me, I commend them just on a hell of a year because I'm focused on two things. As a fan, I'm so disappointed. At one point, we should have won. We didn't play our best. Oh, man, it's the worst. And then at the same time, I I wouldn't have thought we would have had this great of a season, um, you know, without Jawan being able to have, you know, all of his recruits and, and the whole season finished last year. This is truthfully his real first season. And so um, I'm proud of him and what he's done. And I'm definitely proud of those young men because um, they worked their butts off all year. And, and I hope that, you know, when the pain leaves, you know, they'll, they'll you know, recalibrate and understand that, um, you know, in life, all you have to do or all you can do is give your all. If you do that, you know, you're good, and I, and I know that they gave more than they are. So, so I'm, I'm proud of the young man. Chris Weber, NBA on TNT, and uh, obviously uh, one of the all-time greats here on the Rich Eisen Show. So one thing, though, let's let's stick on the positive here, is Jawan Howard has proven this guy is a terrific coach. He is not only a terrific motivator, 
he knows how to uh, game plan, and he knows how to push the right buttons in a game. And he has shown that, boy, did everybody miss out. And thank goodness the alma mater went in his direction. And uh, I'm wondering if, you know, and obviously what Patrick Ewing did this year as well at Georgetown, do you think we might see, as we we saw Mike Woodson get hired uh, at Indiana, even though he has no college experience, but do you think Jawan might be leading along with maybe Patrick? Um, sort of a a run a, an an idea here that that players don't need uh, a lot of head coaching experience in order to be a head coach of notes, certainly in the collegiate level. Do you think, Chris? Well, I mean, if, I don't think it's a resurgence. I think it's just guys that aren't point guards. Maybe you know, you look at Steve Alford; he was hired. <laughs> you know, you, you look at guys like. Guys have been hired, you know, and so everybody's in the uproar. Yeah, not big man. Everybody's in the uproar about Mike Woodson, and it's so funny because I go, the only thing I think about Mike Woodson is who is he hiring that's younger than him to talk to kids and let them know Mike Woodson had a great career. <laughs> like, like, that's it, because he can coach just as good. Like, it's, you, you know, if you're a coach or you're a player, you work with kids younger than yourself. You know, I can't imagine how many kids I've spoken to or at a camp or how many camps I've had. Or that When you put a good crew around yourself and you're the CEO of that, I mean, it's hard for it not to work if you're a hard-working player. And so just as we respect the Eric Spolstras, and we should, because Eric Spolstras is a hell of a coach, just as we respect him because his story is starting off in uh, the film room, I think there's been some anti-bias against players saying, you know, I remember, you know, what everybody said when Steve Kerr got the job or before him, Mark Jackson got the job or even when Doc Rivers got the job. You you know, how could he just come from playing a coach? Because he was a point guard. What are you talking about? Coaches used to come to him to ask him what should he do. (laughs) The best coaches. So, you know, uh, um, yeah, hopefully hopefully it's just the understanding that there's a balance. You don't have to play basketball to know this game as well as uh, Michael Jordan. You can study the game and get it. But also, you know, if you've played the game, then you don't need to go through uh, the traditions, so to speak, to walk your way up. Playing in the league 19 years for Jawan, I would suspect he could coach a team. So, and, and, and just in terms of, again, what Jawan can bring to the table, uh, Chris, I did notice that when Michigan got not one, not two, but three McDonald's All American recruits to say yes, Jawan tweeted them, Welcome to the club. And I don't. He he didn't mean Michigan athletics. He meant, hey, you know, I'm an All American too. Like I was, you know, like he has that ability to do such a thing, and I, I love that. I absolutely love that. You know, yeah. And yeah. we brought that up with him. And the other thing we brought up with him before we move on here, Chris, is um, T.J. Jefferson, my social media grand maester, who's on the set here, uh, <laughs> brought up, uh, brought up to him. Go ahead. What did you bring up to, to Juwan? Oh, what up, Chris? Up? First and foremost. Hey, what's up? Wait, what's your full name now? What's the whole nickname? Because I know you, but I didn't I didn't know the full. My, what did you just uh, say? The, the social media grand maester. Okay. That's, okay. What's up, brother? How you doing? <laughs> it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Or, yeah. or, or as Chris Berman has nicknamed me, TJ, moving on up Jefferson. Okay. But, uh, I like that. <laughs> so, Chris, you know, when you were here last time, you and I were talking about the McDonald's game that was in Pitt, or the Dapper Dan game, rather, that was in Pittsburgh. And, you know, I got to speak to uh, Jawan, and I said, I was a little... 
taken aback by the fact that you as the Fab Five, you created this look with the long shorts, the baggy unis, the, the black socks, the black shoes. But now these kids nowadays, bro, they are... Those shorts are creeping up the thigh. And a, a oh, term I used with Jawan was, there's way too much thigh meat going on, C-Web. <laughs> I, I ain't really with it. I mean, the, the Fab Five didn't go through all you went through, all the trash that people talked to you guys about being thugs and this and that, to, right. to, to rock the long the long shorts that now have them reverting backwards and creeping up right. to the top of the thigh. I ain't with it, Chris. I ain't with it. Hey, hey, see, that's the problem with kids these days. No, you know, you know it's funny, though, in... in <laughs> Forging the way and doing things that people didn't like when we did it, we got to respect what they're doing. So, yeah, now they're just wearing spandex. They're like, just now they're, they're not even wearing shorts. They're wearing the spandex we used to wear under our shorts. Right, the, so the compression it, shorts. Crazy, but when they have kids, it's going to get back to baggy, man. Hopefully, this is just a bad fashion era, like, you know, the early 80s or something. <laughs> we can only hope. Yeah, I mean, because honestly, it's, we, we can't have your progress getting rolled back. No. We cannot have And that. Juwan wasn't happy with it either. He was pissed. Hey, yeah, man. Yeah. I, I, it's not a good look, man. It is not a good look. But I, I hope, you know, hopefully, it only handles you know one or two three years but they need to give they all need to give stockton uh a little bit of uh, a little bit of praise they still in stockton style <laughs> he he never succumbed to the pressure of the, of yeah, the long short no, no. Yeah. <laughs> never uh so before i let you go chris um we're entering april um the lakers are banged up they do get andre drummond and uh, I think, does somebody need to tell Durant that he's not choosing an all-star team anymore, that that was just him versus LeBron? Um, because it sure looks like the Nets are taking advantage of um, the buyout scenario here. Um, what, what do you think of, of that? It, it strikes me as something that the NBA needs to somehow rectify in a way to not have a super team created midseason even. Chris. Yeah, sorry about that. I, I hung up on you there. Oh, there no problem. Sorry. I don't know if you heard my whole preamble right there. Did you hear me? I did, but I think you were talking about Brooklyn with a super team. Yeah, I mean, what what, what do you – to me, does the NBA need to do I, – I, again, I know what they do because it sounds yeah. like a different type of load management problem that you really can't fix. But it's it's kind of a bit of a bummer here, Chris, that they're, that, that a team gets to create a super team in the middle of the season. Now, now you're 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 my friend, but I I gotta ask you something. I gotta ask you something. Okay, Chris. Are you are you just being biased? Did you feel this way when Golden State went and got Durant? Well, they got Durant through a one free agent move during the off season. It's not like that you're gonna wait for a bunch of teams to not pay stars uh, and and put them out on the market and then just put them all together. You know what I mean? Like Harden, they actually yeah. gave up capital for. It just I I just you know. I, I, I don't, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't begrudge ring chasing by players either. I, I, I get it, but it just seems to me it's just like you know. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't You're know. An old school fan like myself, like we like rooting for teams and rooting against teams. And if you beat us, you know, then you've you beat us rooting against you. You like seeing t- guys like go through a bad playoff and then get questioned and then come back and doing it again. You're a football guy, basketball guy. Like I'm with you, and I've just made i've 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 stopped thinking like you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna lose sleep at night man you're not gonna you're you're gonna lose sleep you're not gonna enjoy the game if you think that way because i'm with you and i've had to let that go man it's it's crazy because you want that but and it is unfair and because i tell you what I, i really am honest with you i think brooklyn it depends on health i think brooklyn and and the lakers 
No one talks about this. I think the Rasheed Wallace means the guy that got that went to a team that's going to win a championship is DeAndre Drummond. The Lakers will win a championship with DeAndre Drummond if LeBron and AD are healthy because he rebounds. He's the 2020 guy. He doesn't need the ball. He plays well on defense. So you're right. I'm, I'm seeing it all, and it made more sense for him to go to New York where he could get more money and do things. So I'm with you, Rich. I just – what, what, I mean, and think about it. The league probably loves it because now we have, you know, four super teams, and I still think a team like Utah can sneak in there and That'd do it, great. even though the other two are better. So I, I'm with you, man. I, I, I just think if we're going to go crazy if we try to have logic as fans saying it should be played this way. All right. Team shouldn't be able to do it. Chris Weber, I, I love you, man. Uh, my One of our favorite fans uh, of the show, Jeff in Detroit, said, what up? Um, he just called up uh, before the what end up, of the last time. What up, Doe? What up, Doe? What up, Doe? I'm sorry. That's I left out the Doe. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, one, one thing, Rich. One yes. thing, Rich. I just got to say this. Please. Matthew Stafford, wherever you are, man, I love you. That's my quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> That's my quarterback. That's my quarterback. I was about and to ask you what you thought the Rams about. To win it all. So you're... And that's not even my team. So you're taking okay. the Rams now? Are, are you a, are, so you're you're following Stafford to the Rams, or or you you have less faith in your Lions? I mean, where? No, where no, no. Okay. Well, me and the Lions—that's a whole another issue. But okay. you know, I love my I love my Lions, but you know, I'm I'm you know I'm focused and I'm, I try to be a fan that's not too you know over the top. Sure. But you know, watch what Joey does. I'm I'm telling everybody doubted him. He didn't. He only had two thousand yard runners. What are you talking about with him with the play action? Oh, y'all wait. Y'all watch. Y'all watch. All of y'all that doubted. It's not even about the Lions. Everybody out there that doubted my quarterback. That's my quarterback. Watch. Watch what he do. That's all I have to say. Chris Weber. C-Weber. Right. T-O. So play us out. Thanks for the call, Chris. I appreciate it. Right. I, I wish we were celebrating as opposed to commiserating. But um, I, as always, love your work on uh, TNT. When's your next game? You'll be doing uh, my next game's uh, tomorrow, and we have Charlotte at Brooklyn. Okay. And uh, as I as I tweeted uh, or tweeted as I text my man Juwan, you know I'm proud of him. Um, we're disappointed, but this is just the first step. Imagine what else is on the way. I love it. This is just the first step for us, baby. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, C-Web. You be well. That's hey, Chris man. Weber, right, Chris. everybody. NBA on TNT's Chris Weber. Charlotte at Brooklyn. Hey now. That was put on the docket when uh, Lamelo was healthy. Probably, right? yeah, probably. It's such a bummer. He's out. I know. And Brooklyn is is Lamarcus Aldridge still in the uh, you know three week Blake Griffin conditioning program, or is that Russia. is he going to play Russia. in that one? We're going to see the full complement of the du- team Durant. They should just it's... call themselves Team Durant, right? <laughs> I mean, Durant. I mean, seriously, <laughs> it's, it's like he's still choosing the All Star game. It's Team Durant. Versus the Charlotte Hornets on the NBA on TNT tomorrow night. Super Team 3. I'll, you know, we'll ask that of Ian Eagle when he joins oh. us on Friday's show. As yes. um, Ian Eagle's calls Her. of the uh, NCAA tournament games and the Nets will be front and center, as will his fantastic reads for Cherry Vanilla Soda. <laughs> Let's take a break. Mike Pereira will be joining us next. NFL on Fox Rules analyst Mike Pereira. I will be hounding him about the pylon rule through the end zone as well. This is going to be entertaining, folks. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets. 
at the Rich Eisen Show, and every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat, where the court is, where you are in relation to it, and then the all-in prices. That's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase. So all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use my code rich for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Visit gametime.co for restrictions. Again, create an account, redeem my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is the Rich Eisen Show. We're back here on our Rich Eisen Show radio network. Um, before we get to Mike Pereira, huge breaking news out of the Florida Pro Day. Um, my Twitter timeline just exploded, as did my phone. Uh, football on a stick has just made oh, its appearance oh. at the Florida Pro Day. <laughs> I mean, um, and oh. as you know, um, that is my favorite part of the combine when you mimic the snap of the football for defensive drills. Um, and uh, there's a football on the end of the stick, and somebody just pulls the stick and it mimics the snapping of the football. <laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing uh, I enjoy more at the combine than football on a stick. And um, it is not dumb, Chris. It's very, it's 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 actually quite utile. Uh, it's actually quite simple. Sometimes the greater things in life are th- are simple, and um, you know, you're right. And I'm always right, as you know, around well, here. I, uh... For instance, um, who was right about the tuck rule all those years? Who's right now about fumbling through the end zone? You're definitely not, not yeah, nah. being yeah, nah. the rule nah. it should be. You know, who knows that more than anybody else. Mike Pereira, former head of NFL refs, now NFL on Fox oh, rules speak, analyst. Speak How are you, Mike? You know, I'm really, I'm really good. But I'm looking through all the proposals yes. that uh, the that the owners are going to discuss. Yes. And I'm looking at, you know, remove the on-field video review from the replay process. Uh, make all uh, illegal forward passes yeah. loss of down. Yeah. Um, all of these things. It's funny. I don't see anything about a fumble forward into the end zone. Yes, thing. I see that, Mike. Preach, Mike. No, 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 not, no. No, excuse me. Not excuse a me. thing. Now, Mike, Mike, you're 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 now cherry picking which information to give us, and I'm not accusing you of of wrongfully saying that this is not up for review. Um, you know the way this works. You've been in the competition committee room. You know how it works. You know that teams 
understand what would even remotely come close to passing muster or not. You know whether it's ready to be put in front of ownership now or not. You know how this works. And they just don't feel that it's ready. They don't have the proper wording or ruling or even maybe consensus in the room. But I think you and I both know it's coming. We know it's coming, Mike. We know it, right? I'll I'll grant you we did say that about the tuck rule. You (laughs) did say that about the tuck rule. So I will will give you that. And there's always something to me that, like, reflects Eisen when you look at all these proposals. Eisen. It's like if you you put... Like in front of me, mm-hmm. a plan about overtime and the toss. And if you put it in front of me, pick and choose. Mm. And you said, who would have proposed something like that? I would have said Rich Eisen. That's right. Damn than, straight. More than John Harbaugh, to tell you the truth. Exactly, Mike. And by the way, who also came up to you at the owners meeting years ago? I believe it was in Tampa, Florida, where, uh, you know, they were changing the rules on celebration. And you were right. You were rightfully saying that you had, a, as the head of NFL refs, the number of letters you got from high school and Pop Warner coaches saying, you need to fix this in the pros because we're seeing it too much here. They're looking at the pros. But who told you that it was too stringent and that there would be some sort of reversal of this rule on celebrations? Who told you that back then, Mike? Who was the one to tell uh, you that? That would, that, that, would be, that would be you. That would be you. So I'm just saying I am a seer. I'm an understander. <laughs> of the room i read the temperature i take the figurative pulse tell me this pylon rule is never going to be changed tell me that mike Pereira. tell me tell me that again the the pylon rule yes it's it's a it's a it's a wonderful rule it's easy it's easily understandable now you know if you're inbounds and go into the end zone then that goal line extends if you're not you got to get the ball over the pylon before you touch out of bounds, it's a beautiful rule. Right. It's a beautiful rule. But there are a lot bigger issues in the game than, than the fumbling. No, I know that. I I get the fumbling through the end zone. It ha- that, I hear that from you. Uh, I've heard that from all your successors at the job. That it's it, that it basically yeah. it happens what five ten times a year. It just happens always in a nationally televised game, and it's gonna happen in a Super Bowl, Mike. And the whole country yeah, well, is gonna say, "What the hell was that?" And then we're really going to have a mess on our hands. I guarantee you this will happen if we don't fix this rule. And my rule change would be you fumble through the end zone, reverse touchback, keep the same down, same down. So if you fumble on third down, you, you, it's, it's a loss of down but back at the 20-yard line. So at least somebody's got a chance to kick a, a, a field goal from the 20-yard line on fourth down. If it happens on first down, and yeah, too bad, it's first and goal. It's now second and goal from the 20-yard line. What's wrong with that? You keep possession. What's wrong with that? Nothing. Nothing's wrong with that. But, again, you know, I'm like all my successors or the guys that followed me, the whole ball of wax, uh, the guys before me. When you fumble the ball into your opponent's end zone, to me, it's worse than fumbling the ball forward out of bounds. That's just the way I feel about that. And I, I, I hate this thought of, I don't hate the thought because it's you, but I Thank hate you. the thought of, you know, fumbling forward out of bounds and now you take the ball that was snapped at the three and fumbled at the two and put it at the 20. Um, you know, to me, you got to play football. And to me, hold on to the ball. You want to stretch the, stretch your arm out, stretch your, hand to try to get into the end zone and, and risk losing control of the ball, that's your risk. But to me, I, I, don't, I don't think that's, that's part of the major problems that we have in the, 
in officiating and rules today. Mike Pereira here on the Rich Eisen Show. What are the major problems in officiating and rules today that you think needs to be fixed? Well, I think when you look at what's being talked about, you know, the, the addition of a, of a booth official, however you want to call it, I think that's the biggest possible step to improve officiating on the field. Um, I don't like the way that I'm hearing that it's being presented, which is unlike what uh, Baltimore presented, which is an eighth official uh, who has access to video, who is off the field, and who can contribute in real time to the crew. Um, I like that. Call it the sky judge. It has been tried before um, in the AAF, the um, whatever it was, and the XFL. It's doable. It can correct egregious errors. It can be limited um, to personal fouls, player safety issues, and for, like, pass interference inside of, uh, let's say, five minutes of the fourth quarter. But to me, what they're talking about is giving the replay official more responsibility. To me, opens up a lot of problems. Um, and and I, I think the replay official has enough to do right now. And I, I think the, the key to me is an eighth official just rules on things that are outside of replay, not 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 the inside of replay stuff on what's a catch and what's not a catch. You know, did he step on the line? Did he not? You're talking about, was that a face mask? Was it roughing the passer? Was it a hit on a, on a, an illegal hit on a receiver? Those types of player safety things, which to me can be done officially to uh, efficiently. I don't believe it will extend uh, the length of games by, a whole lot, um, and and again, it has to be limited. Not 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 looking at whether something's a delay a game foul, whether the play clock ran out, or whether the right guard fault fault started. Um, you know, just the big issue plays, and 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 I think if if our goal is to get better, and our goal is not to have missed calls, then I think that's the answer. But not the replay official trying to decide quickly whether something's a catch or not a catch and correct it and not go to review. And then the poor coaches on the sidelines and their guys upstairs, well, they're going to wait to see, is replay going to change this immediately? Or do we, do we, it's fraught with problems. So I think that's one of the big issues that, uh, that will be actually decided upon because I do think something will happen. So yeah, the, the, you're, you're hearing that, they're going to try and um, just add more responsibilities to a replay yeah. official as opposed to add someone else. And yeah. the, the, the verbiage I'm hearing is that this uh, replay official that would have expanded responsibilities as a de facto sky judge would be involved in subjective issues. That's the words that I'm hearing or that could be utilized as a as a, a codification, as, as a, an actual rule that's put in there, what 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 do you think that would be? Do you th- and do you think well, this has a chance of passing? Well, I think certainly there's a, a chance that something is going to pass, and I'm hearing more of the expansion of the replay official. Look, um, you're not going to go to a sky judge or an eighth official unless you get the total support of the officiating department. Um, if I was still running the department, I would be in the committee meeting saying, this is what I want to do. Um, and, and 
So I, I look at this whole thing of being subjective with the replay official. Look, the replay official doesn't even make any decisions now. All decisions are made in New York. So if he's going to be some, he's got to make a subjective decision. Are we going to wait for New York to make that subjective decision? It, it's it's like, wait a minute, where 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 is the process here? Where's the process? And so. You know, I look at this and saying you're going to expand the duties of the replay official who in many cases hasn't even worked a game of football or hasn't certainly worked in the NFL. Are we going to give them this responsibility or does poor Al Riveron get more responsibility in New York? There's no way that in New York they're going to see every roughing the passer hit, for example, and make a decision on whether uh, it's it's a, a correct call or one that should have been called or one that's incorrect. I mean, it's it's just it's there's too many layers there, and and I just think that the the issue of an eighth official and and while I like John Harbaugh's and Baltimore's you know uh, proposal, I don't feel like they went far enough. I mean, there has to be you can't just say this is what we ought to do. Um, how can we do it? And to me, how could we get an eighth official and? Who is this eighth official? And if it's me, I say, hey, we're going to bring in 18 new officials, and each crew is going to be an eight-member crew, and we're going to rotate. We're going to rotate. Let's not tunnel vision everybody that this is your position. This is the only one you can work. Take the three deep officials and move them every fourth game into this uh, into the booth. Um, I, I think it would improve officiating. It would get more officials into the program and get them started. So. Um, I, I just, I, I, we always seem, and I was the same, we try to make things better by putting Band-Aids on things and uh, on problems or on sores or on scrapes. When the big way to really make a big difference to me and, and what we refuse to talk about with any great length is full-time officials, do referees need to be full-time, which I certainly believe they do, the, the 17 referees, 100% full-time, working every day of the football season under one roof during the week, and then again, this eighth official using real-time. It happens now. You see a block in the back called, and then all of a sudden, the officials get together, and they pick up the flag. You see a face mask called. The officials get together and they pick up the flag because another official has another view. Here's the eighth official with another view that he gets the luxury of seeing the live shot and run it back and forth and a quick replay. And if they can get it within a 15-second time frame, within 15 seconds left on the play clock, if they can get it done before that, then make the change. It'll look funny, but you know what? Replay looked funny when we brought it in, but everybody got used to it. Well, and it would be the same here. Mike, I was Mike Pereira here uh, on the Rich Eisen Show. As you know, I was there for the owners' meeting where it was ruled as permanent, and I remember Charlie Cashley of the Texans organization at the time, and he was on the competition committee. He told the owners, everybody has replay at home. Everybody's got it in high definition. If we don't use it, uh, you know, everyone else is seeing it. So. It, yeah. you know, that's why I'm always been an advocate of replay, and so. But you know how this works. It's everything needs to be done incrementally because there's so many people that just can't wrap their heads around such a radical yeah. change. And then there, there's also some other aspects of of moving things back to where they once were. There's a certain 
uh, uh, part of, of NFL membership that just thinks that we're, you know, anything that's changing from the old way of doing it or the, the if you will, uh, long time way of doing it is is something that they, they have a problem with. Uh, wh- why am I hearing that overtime rules need to go back to what it was where it's just like, let's flip the coin and somebody goes, you know, uh, six plays, kicks a field goal and we're done. Why, why am I hearing that? Where did that come from? I, I don't know, and I don't agree with that at all. I? I mean, I, I, I agree with what we got to. There are certain people that think it should go further than that and that even on a touchdown that the other team should get an opportunity. But I think, it was a, I think that was a, 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 good, you know, a good change, and I think it's good the way it is. Again, I'd move beyond that and say, where's our issue here when we look at the onside kick situation? Right. You know, to me, you you look at that and say, here's some startling numbers. I mean, the success rate on onside kicks from 2010 to 17 was 13 and a half percent, and from 2018 to through 2020, it was excuse me 7.8 percent, and 2020 alone it was 4.8 percent, and then the the whole notion of if you go back and look at this, how about this stat? Between the two-minute warning and three minutes remaining in the fourth quarter, a team that was down one to eight points attempted onside kicks 42.1% of the time. In 2020, 8.3% of the time. Well, that's a player so, safety issue, isn't it, Mike, because of the way that you're allowed to line up for a kickoff? That, that, that's the, well, I, that's think the, uh, I think it's not, yeah, it's not just lining up. And, of course, it's a player safety issue. I get it. But it's the restriction on being able to advance. Right. So you to have run. to be flat-footed, basically, right. when the ball is kicked. And that's probably the biggest limiting thing to me. And so I think you have to look at that. It's time to look at that. What's the and, fix? And What's this the fix? whole fourth and fifteen yeah. onside kick alternative, I think, is a good one. And so, what? What if you could wave a wand and make that happen? What would that look like to you, Mike? Well, it would be it would be very simple. After you score a touchdown, the team would be given the opportunity to say, "Do you want to kick off? Do you want an onside?" And if you're going to onside, it's a fourth and fifteen attempt. So we play football. You snap the ball to 25, and you play, it's 4th and 15. If you get it to the 40 on the play, guess what? You keep the ball and continue playing. Um, If you have fouls on the play, we play it just like a 4th and 15. So you don't make it to the 40-yard line, but uh, the defense is offside. Then you get another down, and it's 4th and 10 from the 30. What if there's, a, what if there's a hold? Yeah what, yeah, yeah, what if there's a, an automatic first down or, or pass you interference? Get or, you, get you get it. You get it. If there's an automatic first down, you play on. So you just basically play 4th and 15. Now, the danger, I think, is the straight play that is unsuccessful. So you throw the pass, and it's incomplete. Boy, now the other team gets the ball first and ten at the twenty-five. Now that's that's almost a gimme for another score. Where at least in the traditional onside kick thing, if you kick from the thirty-five, the other team is probably going to get the ball to forty-five. Um, but now they're going to get it, <clears throat> excuse me, at the twenty-five. So that's a big difference. But you're gonna have to do something to, I think make it a better opportunity for the team to to come back in the game. Now, 4th and 15 on itself, boy, the success rate's not very good on just a straight play without penalty or anything. It's about 2.5%. But with penalties and everything, it certainly increases. But 
I, I think there has to be an alternative, and I think there's been a, enough research done that I do think it'd be more of an exciting play for people to watch. And, um, and again, it brings in the whole notion of the penalty situation, which, uh, you know, which just makes a play like football. Mike, you're the man. Let's chat. Uh, let's chat in the next couple of weeks when we know exactly what's been done and what you you think the unintended consequences or the proper consequences are. Let's do that again soon. Okay. Busy time. Thanks Busy for the time. call. You're the man. That's Mike Pereira, chief rules analyst on Fox. I, I like the fourth and fifteen, man, and I don't want to touch overtime. I don't want to touch overtime. Don't touch it. If you were to do anything, make it longer. I understand that yeah, player safety and you're going seventeen yeah. games. You know, they, 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 they put it back down to 10 minutes as opposed right. to 15 minutes. So you're limiting the number of possessions. You're increasing the opportunity for ties. Yep. We've seen a lot more ties in the last oh, yeah. few years. I know that. But the player safety aspect is you can't, you know, because they, they found out that so many concussions happen on kickoffs because they're, you're allowed to run up to the line of scrimmage and go run down, and they crash together in the middle of the field like Braveheart. Yeah. And and so they decided you got to you you can't run up to the line of scrimmage. You have to be flat footed, and you have to line up on certain sides of the ball, and certain numbers have to be on either side right. of the ball and go. And so that's destroyed the onside kick. It's clear they've destroyed the onside kick, yep. and they got to figure something out on that because you do have to have an opportunity if you're down by For two scores. Yeah, keep me yeah, interested. Yeah. Keep me tuned. Yeah, it's keep all about it con- it's all about red zone, red zone, red zone, red zone. What's going to keep the vies? So when we come back, um, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to take a look at at some records. A lot of people are saying with a 17 game yeah. schedule, you know, the record down. books, the record books are going to be completely thrown up in the air. And how can we decide what is a great greatest all time season or not? Are we going to take a look before week 17? Hey, somebody's got 16 games of this number in, and that would have been a record, but <laughs> we can't say it's a record anymore. Yeah. Because there's a 17th game, and what are you going to do? So what I've done is I had NFL Network Research come up with best 17-game spans ever in four statistical categories that I think you should keep as your mind's eyes. This is the new benchmark to shoot for. And then in the next hour with Chris Long as well, uh, former NFL player, two-time Super Bowl champion, we'll we'll talk about some sneaky good 17th games. 844-204-RICH is also the number to dial. We'll take your calls. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. This is the Rich Eisen Show. We're back here on the Rich Eisen Show Radio Network. All right, let's uh, quickly take a phone call here. Uh, Brandon in Utah. What's up, Brandon? How you been? How we doing, Rich? What's going on? What's on your mind? Uh, I got a suggestion for your fumbling through the end zone here. What do you got for? 
Okay, uh, I think if the ball goes past the end zone, the back line, the offense does not get the ball back. DK Metcalf celebrating getting the ball knocked out going out of the end zone. He shouldn't get the ball back. But a couple years ago, ironically, C.J. Mosley intercepts the Jets, Mm. goes to run it back in. He intercepts the Jets. They're on like a 10-yard line. I think Mosley caught the ball around the 20. He fumbles the ball going into the end zone, and it goes out of the sideline. The Jets get rewarded 10 yards for throwing an interception. How does that work? You know what? <laughs> I, I, here's the thing, and I, I like this, Brandon. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna um, incorporate it into my idea that if it goes through the back end line, that's when it goes to the defense. If it goes through the sidelines, I offense it, gets it at a twenty. Correct, just like it went out of bounds before the pylon. I correct. like it. I like it a lot. Ironically, it was Mosley against the Jets. I'm sorry yeah, I know. About that. No, hey, at least, hey, at least he played a game in which the Jets were actually playing, right? Uh, oh my for, gosh, they weren't playing that. Well. I know that. Thank sorry, you Rich. very much. Appreciate it. Sorry, Rich Eisen. At least the Jets were playing on a game day, and C.J. Mosley was in the game. Right. Don't get me started. <laughs> I like it right there. That might be a good fix. No, the fix is not changing the rule. <sighs> You're 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 just trying to change something for the sake of changing it. Got it. <laughs> Got it. So a lot of folks are not through thrilled about the 17 game season uh, as a fan because it's just like the whole record book since 1978 are out. And I'm wondering if when in 78 they expanded it from 14 games to 16 regular season games, people will be like, "What about the record books?" And we haven't thought about the record books at all True. from before 1978. So maybe one day True. people won't be talking about it. But right now they are. So I reached out to Brandon Mendoza and the great NFL Network Research Group, and thank you for these numbers. I said, give me the best 17-game stretch in NFL history for these four categories, most receptions, most yards receiving, most passing yards, and most rushing yards. And these will be the new benchmarks. So give me the best stretch of anybody over 17 games. And he said that it's not for best it's, – it's not for individual games – it's for the team game. So if somebody missed a game in between, it doesn't count against them, right? Again, right. 17 games played for a team. Give me that stretch at any point over, obviously, two seasons. Here we go. These are your new benchmarks. So most receptions. You got music for me, Mike Del Tufo? Most receptions. Michael Thomas had 161 receptions over a 17-game stretch between 2018 and 2019, in which he had the record for most reception yards in a season, most receptions in a season, 149. So the new mark is now 161 for a 17-game season. So try and beat that mark coming up in the 2021 season. What about most receiving yards? Well, interestingly enough, Calvin Johnson's got the 16-game record. He's also got the 17-game record. <laughs> Uh, 2,238 he had over the 2011 and 2012 season. In 2012, he set the single season record 1,964 yards. So add a few more on. It's now 2,238 yards is your 17-game record to shoot for if you're a wide receiver in the league. Calvin Johnson and Michael Thomas, as you can, interestingly enough, have both the 16 and now new 17-game wow. records. Okay. Most passing yards in a season. Interestingly enough, Peyton Manning has the most passing yards in a regular season, 16 games. In 2013, he had 54-77. He's got the record for 17-game stretch. In 2012 and 2013, in which he had the single-season record, 58-54. Wow. He had 5,477 in 2013. By the way, beating Drew Brees by a single yard. 
Brees had 5476 in 2011. He had 5477 right. in 2013. So the new mark is 5854 yards. So pretty Gosh. much try for a 6000 6, yard season to beat Ooh. him. Which Dak I think was on pace for, right? Right. In 17 games. Might have been 7000. And honest. here's the so the 16 game rushing record single season as we all know it's Eric Dickerson 2105 rushing yards. Would he have the 17 game record stretch? The best 17-game stretch in the history of the NFL rushing the football belongs to the great Earl Campbell, Earl Campbell. who in 1980 through 81 had 2,408 rushing yards. That's your new 17-game single-season record. Now, obviously, somebody sitting out there go, well, why don't you give me the benefit of doing it outside of two seasons as well? Sure. Too bad. It's now a 17-game <laughs> yeah. regular season. So I just want by. to give you a concept Ooh. of the best 17-game stretch that's ever been had by a single person through a 17-game by their team stretch. There you have it. Which yeah. one Which one falls first? Which one falls first? I think it's got to be Let's passing it, yards. Rich. I'd go gotta, passing gotta yards. It's got to be passing yards, right? I'd go passing yards. Rushing, could you imagine 2,400? Go for it, Derrick Henry. Yeah, that's why he's yeah. doing all those moving push-ups. <laughs> yeah, right. Yep. Squatting. I, I'd go passing yards. Food for thought, everybody. Just want to give you food for thought. Chris Long is going to be joining us next hour, two-time Super Bowl champion. What do you think about playing 17 games, period, and that so much more coming up?